0: It's an honor and a privilege to be here today. Um, thank you for having me. I don't take this for granted. This is grace, and um, that's in grace that operates in the world. we operate in every one of us live in the name of Jesus. I-, I love where she started from. And it so much resonates, not just with the story of Nigeria, but it resonates so much with what we are talking about here. And when you look at the issue of the broken hearted, the people who are in captivity, the people who are bound, the people who are going through different circumstances and situation, you will find out that that's the passage. I am not Jesus, but I have a mandate. And that mandate has been given to me in form of the psychological profession that I belong to and the word is to help as much as I can in place of healing and so with this topic we're looking at is anyone listening you know when she sent that to me and I said this is beautiful because we even need to listen to ourselves It's not just about giving help and support and succor to very many people out there. It's also about, do I listen to me? Do I understand what's going on with me? Do I understand my feelings? Do I understand my emotions? Am I aware of the things that's going on around me? Is anyone listening? feel our emotions calling out and shouting and screaming and saying, are you listening to me? I feel our emotions shouting and calling attention and saying, excuse me, I'm not feeling okay. But most times what we do is we push it down and then we'll get on again and move on and tell ourselves it's okay to continue. Yes, it's okay. But each time we shut down our emotion, it registers somewhere. And then there comes a time, it starts asking. And it starts asking. And that's why a whole lot of times when people have emotional distresses among other things, people ask and say, oh, I saw her in church. She was okay. She was dancing. She was functioning. She seems to be alive and active. But the truth is, this person is just trying to cope. This person is just trying to function. There's so much that has been shut down. There's so much that had been locked away. There's so much that had been kept aside. And the individual is not able to go on again. Hello, is anyone listening? I hear our emotions asking us that question. What we are going through in the nation. the year 2020 was something that we had been told was going to be the very best of years when we were in primary school. And so we had employment for hall in the year 2020. Oh, we were development for all in the year 2020. And that was what was sold to the world. And so we had so much expectation looking forward to the year 2020. And 2020 came bush. And then you now have it. It came with coronavirus. It's looking like, hey, I'm going to ever get out of this. And at the time we we're about getting out of that, it came with the ancestors. And even at that, we struggle because we are very resilient individuals. We are people who can struggle against our hearts. We can we are people who have been built to be able to face challenges. Oh, I hear them most times say Nigerians are very happy people. But when you look at the current statistics, it's not looking like Nigerians are very resilient anymore. Because we have been pushed at various ends. So we're leaving the coronavirus, we're entering the incest, and then the coronavirus came back again. And then before you know it, kidnapping and battery became the order of the day. And so you have to pray extra prayer before you can leave your house. And so the pressure and the tension was much. And even when you have to leave, it's, the pressure was so huge. And it's like, how are we going to get out of that? said, so it's look like we're getting out now, we have a an lanchotation. tension. And there are crunches and so many other things like that. And there's a limit to how much our emotions can take. So I hear our emotions saying again, Hello, is anyone listening? Now I said, it's not just about you listening to other people. It's also about we listening to ourselves. Becoming more emotionally aware of what's going on. Every thought cumulates into a feeling. Every thought. The fact that I think that things are not going on cumulates into a feeling for me as an individual. And then it leads up to a behavior. And so sometimes when you see somebody get very angry, excuse me, it's not the anger that is the problem. What we should be tracing it back to is what is the thought. A lot of times we start treating the behavior, but we forget that there is a talk before the behavior. As so when this individual feels I have been pushed and bashed, I have been pressed down in so many ways. That's the thought. And so the feeling is, I am not just good enough. Life is not worth living. I have struggled and yet it's not living. And so the individual becomes sad. The individual becomes withdrawn. They are not able to function. We start looking for how to treat the withdrawer. We start looking for how to treat the not functioning. But no, that's not it. What requires help is the thought where it starts from, and that's why we're talking about this is anyone listening? Because if we do not hear our thoughts, then we cannot most definitely help ourselves in dealing with the behavior. Self awareness is key. In all that we will be talking about today because we need to be able to understand who are we and now when i talk about who i am i am not most likely talking about my name no i am not talking about my gender i am not as a matter of fact talking about my profession i am talking about what makes me unique What are the traits what are the qualities what are my strengths what are my weaknesses what's everything they have on the inside of me that makes me complete see the moment an individual feels there is a deficit in all of this the the moment an individual is not self-aware to the level that they should then it affects functioning so it affects their emotional responses It also brings on a whole lot of emotional triggers and that's why somebody feels they are not up to. And then they see somebody walk by and for them, this individual represents the mental sets that they have in their brain of who they should be and they struggle to be that person. And so most times when they are struggling, they hurt themselves because they are not wired to be this other person. are not wired to function the way this other person is functioning. They have not gotten to the place of acceptance, which is what makes us unique and distinct in our own way. And our people are struggling to be today, but they are not. And we are saying, hello, is anyone listening? Because we must be able to hear what is being said. Otherwise, we cannot provide the help that we should provide as individuals as a body of Christ, as a community of faith in helping people. I want to appreciate this church also for talking about this because it's not a conversation that so many churches want to talk about. We don't want to talk about the issue of emotional wellness and mental health. No, because for us in this part of the world, mental connotes something negative. But no, mental simply means the functioning of the individual in terms of the brain capacity what helps you to execute the executive functioning of who you are, take judgment, decision, problem solving, and all that you have. It's the brain, that's the mental box. And that's why it's called mental, because it's abstract. It's not something that you can see and hold. Thinking cannot be held. Problem solving cannot be held. It's like an insight that comes, and then you're able to reason it. Oh, yes, I've got the solution. This is it. And then you're able to move it on. And that's why it's called mental. But then again, when an individual is able to function and an individual is able to maximize the best of their health, we talk about mental health. Now, according to WHO, mental health is seen as a state of well-being in which an individual realizes is our own ability now i am able to realize this is who i am i am able to realize my strength i am able to get into the person that i am now the most important thing is that realization the moment an individual understands who they are and they get into that, then you are there. Again, it also can cope with the normal stresses of life. The emphasis is on normal, can work productively and fruitfully, and is also able to make contributions to his or her own community. And that's the WHO definition of mental health. And so when an, an, when an individual is able to do this, it's a judge that they are mentally okay. They're able to function. Now, these four domains. We'll also go on as we move on in this conversation today to look at the signs, the positive signs that can denulate an individual. But when we are talking about an unhealthy mind, when an individual has an unhealthy mind, they are not able to function. And a whole lot of times we are not even able to understand as quickly as possible what and how things just goes down rapidly because we are also not listening. But let's look at what emotional wellness is before we now go into the other aspect. Emotional wellness is the ability to successfully handle life stresses and adapt to change and difficult times. Emotional wellness is the ability to successfully and the word there is successfully. So it means that each time life throws you or throws a challenge at you, you you're able to pick up yourself and then you're able to move on again. Each time life gives you a lime, you're able to cut it up and make a lemonade out of it. Each time life pushes you to the end of the world, you're able to turn back and confront it and you tell yourself, I can make it, I can do this. I am positive, I am resolute that I can. And then you are able to adapt to change. Now we are going through a very difficult change in this part of the world now. We weren't prepared for it, not in any way. We never even dreamt and thought about it. We never even thought that it's going to be possible. We never felt we would wake up one day and then we'll now look for Naira an and begin to use money to buy money. No, we use money to buy other things, other commodities, but not using money to buy money. But that's the reality. And that's what we are confronted with. And that's one important thing, that each time you are confronted with your reality, what step do you take? A reality that you cannot change. Life comes with different realities for every one of us. So there are no templates. There are no roadmaps. There is nothing that prepares us for what life is going to draw. But each time life draws a clog against the wheel, we are able to adjust and get ourselves prepped to be able to move on again. And so when we're talking about the types of well-being or wellness, we're talking about autonomy. Autonomy means the freedom to make my own decision. I have the ability to be able to say, this is what I want. Now we have people who have personality issues. One of the difficult personality or or people who have um, personality issues, we call them the dependent personality. Someone who has a dependent personality is not able to make decision. So each time they're asking, should I wear a red gown? Oh, should I do accounting? Or if somebody says, no, don't do it. You have to do this. Then they change again. So each time somebody is asking questions, they are changing and they are changing. I have people like that who uses substance. And so somebody will tell you that you are not good enough. You are not playing football very well. And so the next thing they will do is, what can I do? And tell them, oh, use this. I have a young boy who we are currently managing who uses seven different types of substances. And what's the problem? Each time a friend comes and says, oh, you need to be able to use this. It goes ahead and changes. And then he uses the substance. So it started from cigarettes, it went to marijuana, and then tramadol, refuno, colorado, gum, and other things like that. But then it's, it's wasted his life. And so people who have dependent personality disorder are not able to stand on the ground. They are not assertive enough. And that's what we have found to be a major problem with people who use the substance. They are not firm love in their decision, and so they are easily swayed. And so they see themselves changing over and over again. And so what it simply means is this kind of people do not have autonomy. And in quotes, their wellness our emotional wellness is being cautioned. The other one is self-acceptance. Self-acceptance simply means satisfaction and happiness with myself. I love me just being me. Excuse me. The other part of me that seems not to be perfect, in quote, which looks like my weakness, I have accepted it as me, too. A whole lot of times what gives people a problem is the fact that they accept the good part, in quote, and then they want to do away with the negative part, the weakness, So they see the weakness as, oh, something that is not very good. And so they want to run away from it. They want to move towards the positive, which is their strength. But you can't. It's an embodiment of you. Acceptance helps you to be able to take yourself just the way you are. And then if there is a need for change, you now work on making that change. So if there's something that I see as a weakness and it's affecting me, it's not helping me to grow and function just the way I want to, then I can begin to work on it and then change it to suit the me that I have gotten to accept. But when you don't accept yourself, then there is a problem. And so people who have low self-esteem, a whole lot of times have difficulties with this. And so you'll find out that they are either Cutting themselves because they feel pressured on the inside, which we call self-mutilation, or they are also into substance as a way of gaining confidence to be able to feel themselves and get on with their life. For some of them, they have going into fashion, promiscuity, and so many other things. Remember where we started from. We said the thoughts leads to the feeling, and then leads to the behavior. And so if we are going to help anyone or listen to anyone, we must understand the thoughts that is there before we can help them with the behavior. A lot of time, what we talk about in church, everywhere, it is behavior, but we need to be able to look at the thought and that's what we need to be able to listen to or take away from this conversation tonight. Another one is mastery. The ability to manage everyday situation. Life may not always go as planned. And so sometimes life puts a whole lot of pressure on us, stress us, that we are sometimes not even equipped to handle. Situations that we, 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 we don't, on my way here, I was talking with a young woman who had just given birth, and um, she was sharing her experience. She was going through a very difficult period now. And the conversation is, she's not prepared for all of this. She's a first time mom and she has to wake up, breastfeed, do so many other things. She's not able to do her fit firm again and so many other things, so, so many changes. The moment an individual is not able to take on life, then life will show you. Mastery is about having the required coping skills that helps you to be able to function adequately. The required coping skills that helps us to be able to surmount each stage of our lives. There are coping skills that we need to be able to function and deal with difficulties. A whole lot of times when things happen, the first thing is we throw our hands up and tell ourselves, oh, it's finished. But it's not finished, the reality is there. It's staring us in the face and it's asking us, what would you do about me? And a lot of times we are not able to do anything because we are not equipped to do anything. A whole lot of times it throws us, us off that wheel and then we are not balanced again. And that's why sometimes you feel people come down with depression and a whole lot of other illnesses. Because they are not gained to just handle life. Mastery, it's about giving life what it requires. And you know one thing I tell people in the household of faith, is that we have the ability to be able to confront life because we have the scriptures. There is nothing that ever happens that we do not have the word for it, only except we do not know it. For every situation, for every challenge, there is a word of God that is required to state and to help us culture. I remember my first four years of marriage, there was no baby. Year one, no baby did not come. Year two, baby did not come. Year three, baby, no show. It was in the third year God spoke and said, he was giving us a son. And um, he told us his name. First year of uh, the first month of year three, nothing happened. Second month of year three, nothing happened. I went back to my husband. Did we hear God? The guy said, we heard God. Ah, Okay, I said, because it's not happened. But one thing that my husband said, (laughs) and we held on to is, God cannot lie. Men may lie. People may make promises and they fail. But God cannot lie. The scripture cannot be broken. Said once God has spoken twice, have we heard the power belongs to God? And we ran with that word, and in the fourth year, it happened like he said. But a lot of people most times are not equipped to handle life's challenges, and that's what throws them off the balance. Again, it's about positive relationship. I had the opportunity of sometimes traveling to the village to stay with my grandma during the long holiday. It's usually very beautiful. We would shout and scream, no internet. As a matter of fact, few times we had light. But we would shout, we would scream, we would do a whole lot of things. We would even go to the stream. By the time we get back home, there's nothing in the bucket again because we'll have poured it out. But it was fun for us. It was an outlet to just be ourselves, to bond with our cousins and so many other people that was there in that house. Family relationships, social relationship, relationship, positive relationships are things that endears us to full functioning because you know you are not alone. One thing that's researchers told us is that loneliness is one of the major causes of mental illness. Now, loneliness is not because I am staying alone. No. It's because I see myself. It's a state of the mind. It's an emotional thing. I see myself as being alone. I see myself as not having any connection with anyone. And that's one of the things we'll be looking at as we wrap up today later is to begin to look at how to build connections, positive connections that helps us to be able to function and do well in life. And the last one, under the emotional wellness, is a sense of purpose and meaning. Now, the question we would ask is, how many people have discovered their purpose? How many people have discovered their meaning to life? Why am I here? A lot of times, what makes people to go down with mental health problems or emotional issues is because they do not see themselves as fulfilling purpose. A lot of times, they see other people pass by, they see other people doing so well, they see other people being able to achieve their goals and expectations, and they feel, I am not. But when you now ask them, what is it exactly that you want to fulfill, they don't know. They just want to be successful. Most times I tell people, I said, that man in the village who has a hut, a bicycle, and a farmland, do you know he's successful? As far as he's concerned, he's even a very rich man in the village. So success is relative, it's what you define it to be, it's the definition that you give it, that it would be. A sense of purpose or meaning in life. What is important to you? Where people miss it is this. Most times we are able to define what is important in the now. But when it gets to ten years later or five years time, what is relevant and looks like very important now? Is no longer important. Yes, I understand the things will change, but your purpose should become bigger, brighter. What changes are your goals? So, if a whole lot of times people are not able to understand their purpose, they're not able to get into it. Now, one other challenge with this is this, that sometimes people understand their purpose and they are trying to work towards it. So in their head, they have what we call the ideal self. They have already built up a structure of what is it they want. So they've told themselves by age 30, I would have this. I have a young lady who, for me, she's doing very well. Very well. But she has. mindset of what she wants and where she wants to be by 30 and so she had already dreamt up of this this and that by age 30. so this mental image is there sitting down there but we now have the real self who seems not to be achieving as much as she wants to achieve now the gap between the real and the ideal self is wide for her and so every effort that she makes towards getting close to the ideal self is pushed back by economic reforms, is pushed back by coronavirus, is pushed back by the money crunch, is pushed back. She's become frustrated. So last week when we were talking, she told me, and said, Dr. Kemi, I'm going to kill myself. I said, why? She said, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. But killing yourself is not going to help you to fulfill your purpose fulfilling your purpose is not by killing yourself and so it's about sitting down going back to the drawing board and asking yourself what do I need to do to achieve this if you haven't gotten it then you would have to look at how to get it again now before let's go and look at what are the myths of mental health now so many people don't want to i, I once found uh, somebody who told me i said kemi do you know that each time i pass in front of the psychiatric hospital i turn my face to the left i said why ma he said because i don't want to see that place i said, what does seeing what does it have to do with you I said, i just don't want to even see for some people they don't even want to know that it exists it's it connote and represent, but for, I don 't know how many people have passed there or you have ever visited the psychiatric hospital, Yaba. Do you have anybody who have gone there before to see someone? Thank you, mama, how 's the place? it 's OK. If you come to the psychiatric hospital, actually it 's OK. The serene is good. The environment is wonderful. you won 't see our patient running up and down. you can 't see that. But you know when you get to the Yaba right on the other side. How many people have been to Yaba ride before? When you see them, come and buy pillowcase, come and buy peshi, dollar change, this change. Then you will understand that there is more sanity on the Yaba left than on the right, Because everyone is, you know, pulled together. So there's so much sanity on, on our side. Everything is controlled. We have everything balanced and so many other things. But on the Yaba left, no. if you're not careful, they pull you down because they want you to buy everything that they are selling. We have so much meat about mental illness that it's not allowing us to even get the help. It's not allowing us, one, to listen to ourselves in terms of our experiences. It's also not allowing us to be able to help other people. Yes, I believe in church and I will tell you for a fact that I am a child of God. I have given my life to Jesus. I am born again. I love the Lord and I serve the Lord. And I see this profession not just as a work, but as a mandate to help people get out of difficulties. But it's also time we begin to tell ourselves that it's not everything that is spiritual. Sometimes, sometimes, unknowingly, we walk into situations that are not God-ordained. I have a young sister. Now, this is my sister, who just clocked 30 last year. Now, she feels her expectations are not being met. As a matter of fact, she feels life is passing her by. And she's not able to achieve the things that she wants now. This same sister of mine, somebody I posted a cloth that she made on my social media page, and somebody saw it and said, Oh, it's Sharon Holtz, your sister. I said, Yes, she's my sister, my younger sister. I pulled up my phone. I said, See her. This is see the family picture. Ah, the guy now said, Mama, you don't need to walk again. I said, Why? I said, Ah. If she's your sister, that means you are a very big woman. Ah, I say, is our money my money? (laughs) We are living different purposes. Our money is not my money. But in the eyes of the person that is looking at her, she's a very big woman who had been able to achieve. Now, from her own path, she's seeing herself as small. Don't forget, mental health issues stems from our perception what we see as, as small as stress looks if you perceive it as big then it's big somebody may go around this building and is singing and shouting and is cleaning and when you say well done I hope you're not tired They say tired I'm not tired or I'm still alive and i are still able to go around two three times but somebody will go around half they will sit down and say I'm very tired I have worked today, it's so much. Stress is a function of perception. Life is also a function of our perception and interpretation. What meaning do you give to your experiences? The meaning we give to experiences determines how it affects us. And these are things that we need to be able to watch out for. The first means here says, a mental health condition is a sign of weakness. No. It's not because they are not strong. No, it doesn't mean this individual is not resilient. No, it doesn't mean that they are not struggling. They're not pushing. No, it simply means they have exhausted every strength, every coping ability that they have. It means they have tried and they're not able to push on again. But it doesn't mean that they are weak. Mental problems are permanent, no. Now, there is a school of thought that says that when an individual has mental illness, they would have to be on medication for a long period of time. Yes, we know that, but it's not like a life sentence. After all, people who have hypertension, who have diabetes, also have to use medications to be able to control their blood pressure or also control their sugar level. And so the hormone and the neurotransmitters that are affected also in the brain, they need control, and that's why they are on medication. We have some that goes away after a long while, but then they are able to manage it. Each individual has a different experience. Again, if a person has a mental health condition, it means a person has low intelligence. No, it has nothing to do with IQ. It doesn't mean that the individual is subnormal. As a matter of fact, it's not only subnormal individuals that have mental health. We have full-blooded, able people who also have mental health issues. It can affect anyone, irregardless of the intelligence, the social class, or even the income. Again, another myth is children don't experience mental health problems. Now, the world has changed. Maybe in our days, we never thought of anything other than food and possibly to go to school. But now the times have changed. As a matter of fact, I was still speaking somewhere on Sunday. And I said, it's like God has now decided to wire the children that we are giving birth to, this generation, is wiring them differently. I don't know. Maybe when we get there, we'll ask him, sir, did you wire or not? We must just make it home. That's the most important thing. You know, because when you see the generation, it it looks like, emotionally, they are not equipped to be able to handle so many things that is going on in our world. And one important thing that we must also learn is, because of that difference, there is a very high, high level of intelligence that is required to be able to manage them. Gone were the days when you just shout on someone and then they shake it off and they move on. Two, three days after, they are still there. They've not been able to shake it off. Now we have more children present with emotional issues than before. We have children present with different issues. Even a lot of them are becoming suicidal. Two of 13 self-mutilating, cutting themselves. In our days, they will tell you what does a child knows. A child doesn't have any knowledge. A child doesn't know anything. They just want to eat, buy and sleep and do it. But now it's changed. The tides have changed. It's different. And so we must be sensitive to those changes. A mother called and said, "Ah, my husband is destroying so many things in this home. I said, what happened? He said, my child came and said, "Ah, The father asked her to do something and the girl responded and said, Daddy, I'm so stressed and tired. And the man got very angry. I said, excuse me, how would you be tired and angry? And and he said, I am the one that is paying your school fees. I'm the one that is paying the rent. I am the one. And he went on to start counting everything that he's doing. But do you know that now it's more than just paying the rent? They want the emotional connection. As a matter of fact, the pressure on children now is so much. I just talked about we going to the village, water and other things like that. But now, they have to go to the social media. And the social media is a different world out there. They are seeing and picking up so much things, so much influences, that the influence is so huge. A greater percentage of my patients in the drug world, they will tell you, Where did, how did you start substance? They will tell you, I saw it on the social media, because they want to imitate someone. Modeling is one important thing in life that shapes people's behavior. Taking a pattern after someone or something, it influences how they think, how they see themselves, and every other thing. And so the social media world is influencing them so, so much, and it's causing a big breakdown out there. Um, again, nothing can be done to protect people from developing mental health conditions, and that 's not true. Even when an individual has a fifty percent um, probability of having a mental health challenge, they can 't still be protected, they can still be helped. Yes, twin study, adoption study has shown us that when people have parents or relatives that have mental health issues, there is a possibility that they can have under 50% chance. But when every other thing is maintained and stabilised, then... There are lots of protective factors that will keep people from um, having mental health problems. Part of it includes strengthening social and emotional skills. There are skills that you as an individual will have to develop on the inside of you to be able to create a balance that works. Loving family, relationship, positive school environment, healthy um, sleep pattern, among other things. Now let's look at what are some of the signs of positive emotional wellness. The first sign there is you are comfortable with who you are. I remember the year, my teenage year was rough. Why? I was sexually molested. And because of that, I hated myself. I'm not talking about dislike. I'm talking about real hate. Because I saw myself as, excuse me, I'm not good enough for somebody. I'm not even good enough for myself. So I always look at myself as this black, ugly girl. So each time I stand in front of the mirror, I'll do like this. I'll do it in different directions. Because I just want to be able to reaffirm to my mind that I am ugly and great. And so for a long while, it took me years to begin to appreciate that, hey, excuse me, God took time. And you know the people you get back to on Sunday, God, as in he had worked all week and then he now rested to curate us. I I came on Sunday. Okay? It took me years to really know that, oh, excuse me, I am beautiful. Don't you agree? (laughs) Even if you don't, excuse me, I can affirm it. You know why? Because the Bible says, I am wonderfully and fearfully made. I have that affirmation first from my Maker before any other person. One day in school, in the rest of Nigeria, a man saw me. I said, Neh. Maybe the man thought I even understand Igbo. He said, Neh. Ha! He went on a war, oh, no, in Igbo. After he left, I now said, I asked my friend. I said, what is the man saying? He said, the man said, don't bleach your skin. oh, That's, ah, I love your black. Ah. I said, me myself, I love you before he loved it. Because I have accepted that I am black and beautiful. It's, it's important that we are comfortable with who you are. Again, a lot of people don't see a lot of values in themselves. And that's what creates problems for them. It's not just about, in terms of, complexion in terms of even the body size excuse me we cannot all be agbani some of us have tried oh even if i blow in here and drink water i will see add one kg hello as in just drink water i said hmm, and then go and sleep let me just climb the scale tomorrow morning one kg has had it some of us are really struggling with it some people will now eat and eat and eat and yet it will not show it is grace. Accept yourself the way you are. I'm not saying don't work on making adjustments or anything. No. But being comfortable with yourself means you appreciate your strength. You appreciate your weaknesses. Some people look at other people and say, oh, that sister that led the praise and worship, God bless you. Oh God. As soon as I was coming up, I was saying, hey, this is, I thought this one was a CD that was playing. When I got in, I was like, eh, it's life. This is powerful. But somebody will now come in and say, Oh, I want to be able to sing like I. if I'm not able to sing, then there's a problem with me. There is no problem with you. We are not gifted the same way. Every one of us carries different. And that's why Apostle Paul was able to talk about it. He said, For whatever measure of grace that has been given to you, use it. Everyone carries different things. Don't look at yourself and tell yourself that you're beneath. No, you're not. Because each time you tell yourself, I am beneath, I am not on top. Each time you tell yourself, I cannot make it, I am not as relevant. Then your mind accepts it that way. And that's one thing about the mind. Whatever information you feed the mind is what it gives back to you. Whatever image you paint on the mind, that's what it gives back to you. And that's why sometimes when people want to shake... And tell themselves oh i am not they are not able to because over the years they have fed the mind with information that is not true so your mind will always accept what you tell it the mind has a very huge capacity like a sponge is ready to take it in it takes it in so you feed it i am not good it takes it in i have not done well and that's why when a situation and event happens to us we must be able to guide our reactions Oh, something happened that is negative. I would say, oh, life is no good again. No, life is good. This is just a time phase. Because what you have told the mind is already registered there. The next time something happens again that is negative, you now come again and say, this is it. Your mind hats it up. There's a way the mind calculates it together, stores it together and gives it back to you. And that's what makes it difficult. Somebody will say, oh no, but I'm not thinking negative. I saw a young lady on on Monday. After we started session, she was talking and talking and talking, and I was trying to look for the pattern. Usually in psychology, what we do is look for pattern. The moment you are able to get the pattern, you'll be able to help the individual. So I was looking for the pattern in our story, and we went round and round and round, and eventually we got the pattern. Now, our first sister died in two thousand and seven. Our mom died in two thousand and thirteen. Then another one now died in two thousand and nineteen. Two thousand and seven to two thousand and thirteen is about six years. Two thousand and thirteen to 2019 is also about six years. Again, that's one pattern. Again, all the people that have died, they are also females. So they had one illness or the other and they died. Now, for my patients, who is next? Because there's only two females that are remaining. Do you see how the mind works? It's only two females that are remaining. Now I understand because I'm a child of God, there are the spiritual controls, the physical, and there are so many things that operate that we must be mindful of. But when we were looking at it, it wasn't actually six, six years. It was just our mind that did the calculation wrongly, and then it was able to affirm it. Again, they died of different things, not the same thing. So initially when she spoke, she said, oh, they died of hypertension. I said, okay. So the first one that died, that one died of HIV with her husband. Her mom died of hypertension. Then the last one also died of hypertension because she was mismanaged. Now her mom was hold before she died. The other one wasn't. What the mind needs to be able to break is just destruct the pattern. And you know one beautiful thing that we have again as students of God is that we have power by the authority of God to disrupt patterns. The Bible says, Having blotted out every handwriting that was written, which was contrary to God, He nailed it to the cross and then He made a public show. And He triumphed over it in victory. And He gave unto us our victory. And so that joy and that grace is what we have as believers to be able to navigate twists and turns that life may be taken across our path. We are adaptable and we are resilient. That's one of the other positive signs of emotional. You're able to navigate life, you're able to do. Have positive relationship with people. There are some people that have seen that have very toxic character, very, very toxic. And you know what they do is they want to load it off you. Because if they are not happy, then you do not be happy. So they carry toxicity like a bag around them. So if you allow them to stay and stand with you, before you know it, they will infect you. And then you will not respond. And everybody will say, "Ah, ah, what is wrong with mommy B? Why is she? But they do not know that it was somebody that passed it on. So we must be mindful of things like this. Again, you have a sense of purpose. I spoke so well about purpose earlier. Um, You take care of your physical health. You are comfortable saying no. And this is also very important. A lot of us don't have boundaries. We must have boundaries of what is it that you want. Positive people or people who have positive emotional wellness have boundaries in terms of what they want and how they want their life to fall. If, you, if this, is, this is a pattern, this is the direction I want for myself. This is how I want my life to go. This is how I want my life to flow. If you do not have boundaries, people push you here, push you there. And then you find out at a point that you become exhausted, you become frustrated, and then you are not even happy with yourself. Then the question you will start asking yourself is, who am I again? See, a lot of the people that come in to seek help, is the question they're often asking is, I don't even know myself anymore. Because life has pushed, bounced, thrown, beaten. Apostle I was talking about is uh, crushed on every side. I mean, we are perplexed, we are thrown, we are this, but yet we need all, we are standing. Because whatever it is that life chose, then we are able to create a pattern, a boundary that helps us to stay within that circle. People are pressured today because they want to be able to meet up with certain responsibilities that can be excused. Certain lifestyles that can be excused. If you can't afford it, then walk away from it. If you can't achieve it, then redefine it. Don't forget we are the one that created the ideal self in our head. And so we can as well redecorate it to meet with current realities rather than pressure ourselves. And then you make time to relax. Relaxation is just, just about sleeping. It's not also about whining and dining. People will tell you, oh, I am relaxing. Then I went, to the, I went out to eat and every other thing. By the time you now come back, you're even more stressed than before you went out it's not just that you are stressed it has even eaten deep into your pocket and like ah, ah how much did we now spend now today now you start beating yourself down that you have spent money relaxation is taking time and your mind away from the pressure now relaxation is about a mind thing not about the eating thing giving yourself a break not just physically but also mentally a lot of times, some people sleep, but in their sleep, they continue with the day's activity. So they see themselves in the office doing the, all the work. By the time they wake up, and then Oga says, You have not submitted. He said, Ha? Huh? Have not? I thought I gave it to you. Because all that they did in their sleep was that thing. So when they are going to bed, their mind is not shut down at all. So by the time they wake up, they wake up more tired than they went to bed. And sometimes you now see people going to the hospital and say, I'm feeling sick. You are not sick. It's because your mind is not rested. And the moment the mind is not rested, the individual cannot rest. What needs to shut down first is our mind. And that's the only time when you can now go to bed and then achieve sleep. A restful sleep. But when you're going to bed and you're thinking about, okay, so tomorrow I wake up and then I have that meeting and that meeting and that meeting, it's just by grace that sleep comes. So in, that, in your mind, you have started the first day's job. So rest is about you shutting down your mind. And you have to do that intentionally because you have to take your mind away from every other thing. If I have not done this today, then... They know in my house, if I come in and say, give me 10 minutes, I'm not sleeping, but I shut down. You can imagine staying in the hospital from 8 to 4, and all that you hear is something is calling in my head. Something is walking Something is, ah, you want to just get away from all of that pressure. So sometimes I come, I just empty my mind. And what I do in emptying my mind is just very simple. I take myself to the Garden of Eden. How many of us have been there before? Ah. You have not been there you have not gone anywhere excuse me when we were small they will show us pictorial description of the garden of eden very beautiful place the grasses are green the trees are full the no butterflies everywhere and there's this beautiful river in the midst so blue and classy that all that i do most times in my mind is i wiggle my leg on the inside and I'm there, just not thinking of any other thing other than to just enjoy the calmness and the peace in that place. So when you want to empty your mind, all that you are permitted to think about is take yourself to a very serene place in your mind. It's a mind trip that helps us to be able to get away from all the pressure and helps us to relax. So now, what are the signs of poor emotional um, Wellness, constant or consistent feeling of sadness and hopelessness. And then this sadness is not, it's not like what, what goes away. It's not fleeting. You know, if I lose a huge amount of money, I will be sad, naturally. But when we are talking about this um, poor emotional wellness, we are talking about a consistent one that you cannot even explain why you are. You just find out that a lot of time you're just feeling sad, you're not happy, you feel helpless, you feel hopeless, you feel not motivated to move. There's usually irritability associated with it. So somebody say, "Good morning," you'll tell what is good about the morning. Can't you see that the day is no good? It's a good day. It's a beautiful day. But for this individual, they just don't want to be spoken to. They don't want to because a whole lot is going on in their mind. And sometimes, too, for them, they have this TF or weeping spell. All of a sudden, they just burst into tears And they start crying. I said, what's the problem? They're not able to really tell you exactly what's going on in their mind. They say, I don't know. I just feel bored and I feel overwhelmed. And then they just start crying. And then again, withdraw from friends and families, even from the church, so sometimes you have these people, oh they are they are very vibrant brothers, sisters, daddy, mommy in the church, just been there and all of a sudden they just withdraw. They are not there again. They are not they don't want to any association, any form of association whatsoever. Then lots of interest in pleasurable activity. So this individual loves long tennis, they love football, but their club is playing and they just don't want to be disturbed. They don't even want to talk about it. They don't even want to be seen. They don't even want to hear about it. This is a sign that there is a problem with the individual. This individual might be going through emotional distress and they need help. Changing eating and sleeping habits. For people who are depressed, then they would not sleep well. Uh, sorry, they will sleep so much. And then they will eat less but for people who have um, anxiety issues then they will not be able to sleep and then they will eat less for people who are depressed they will sleep more and then they will eat more for people who have anxiety they sleep less and then they also eat less because of the anxiety that they are undergoing a whole lot of times they are not even able to settle down to eat you can imagine yourself before exam. Someone now gives you a bowl of food and say, eat. What you tell yourself is, no, when I finish. But this one is a persistent state. They are not able to take anything in. And they are not also able to calm down enough to sleep agitation, worthlessness, um, excessive fatigue or lack of energy, um, difficulty concentrating due to raising thought. Uh, for some people, you have also suicidal thought, um, self-mutilation, cutting themselves. This is usually more common among adult the young ones. Uh, yes, you also notice for some of them, um, a decline in their grades or performance at work. Uh, so for some of them, you find out that they are not able to put in their best. Again, they might be high performer, best students and other things like that, best at work. But all of a sudden there is a decline and then they are not able to um, do what they need to do. And then as a result of this, most times they result into substance use. They go on using substance among other things to be able to cope, deal with um, life. Um, There was this young girl, her story was quite pathetic. Um, By 23, she had finished in one of the Nigeria private university and um, She was in a bank working doing so well but because of the pressure and so many other things like that she wasn't also sleeping well you know target and somebody just told her take a cup of um cough syrup and then she took a cup and um she was able to sleep she slept well and so the following day she continued and used the cup But you know one thing about substance is this, the tolerance sets in. So when you use a cap today, in the next two, three days, a cap will not work again. So for people who use marijuana, they will start with one wrap. By the following week or two weeks after, one wrap is not enough. And that's why people oftentimes have the need to increase it. And so for her, A cap wasn't doing, and then she resulted into half a bottle. And before you know it, it was a full bottle. And then again, two bottle, three bottle. And substance has a very bad habit. Now, let me call it a habit for substance. Because what it does is, it takes the functioning part of you and replaces it with nothing. And that's why sometimes, even when the sufferer wants to get out, they are not able to get out because there is really nothing there again. Also, all that you are feeling, it's like a void. You have to keep feeling it. You have to just keep emptying the substance there to feel alive, to get on with yourself. And that also creates more problems for them. So sometimes you have people who are brought in for addiction issues, now also having depression, anxiety, and some other things um, like that. Again, you have neglect of hygiene or personal appearance. So this person is this charming, loving, looking individual who needs to, or who likes to dress up clean, but all of a sudden they are just not there. They don't want to dress up again. They want don't look clean as they would do. Then emotional distress brings on physical complaints. And so most times, a whole lot of people present at the... um The general hospital, now when I talk about general hospital, I mean the non-psychiatric hospital presenting with aches, pain, and other things like that. And so they run a lot of tests and nothing is found. Nothing will be found because what is happening is a function of the mind. And so one of the things that led me from nursing, I actually finished nursing three years, I finished nursing, I went to the school of midwifery, I finished that. But then in the course of work, I found out that quite a lot of our patients will come to the hospital. And they won't recover. And so they keep coming. They come and they will be treated. They will give them medications. But they are not better. And they're giving them very expensive medication, the top of the best. And these people are not getting better. So it it got me searching and I asked myself, what else is there? And I found out that when an individual is sick in the mind, there's no amount of paracetamol or any other thing that you can give them that can help them. And that was what led to my voyage in psychology. Because we need to be able to create a balance that works. So while we're treating the physical, we must also look at the mind. So a whole lot of people are sick with hex pain, so they've run tests and done a lot of other things like that, but then they are not able to it might be an indication that there is emotional pressure that is there. Then again, for some people, it's risk-taking behavior, a whole lot of other things like that. So how then do we manage our emotional health, emotional wellness? The first thing I have on my slide is be positive. Now, being positive doesn't just mean I am positive, I say positive things. No, it's about your thoughts be positive. Don't forget where we started from. When there is a negative thought, there is a negative feeling, then there is a negative behavior. But when there is a positive thought, there is a positive feeling, and then there is a positive behavior. It doesn't matter what is going on around you. It doesn't matter what this time may be talking about. It doesn't matter the situation and the challenges going on. We just have to be able to believe that with Jesus in our boat, we can smile at a storm. Yeah, it might toss us up and down. It might push us here and there. But yes, we know it's a time face that will soon pass out. One beautiful thing that I know about faces in life is that none of them last forever. Have you ever seen a face that lasts forever? No. There's no face that lasts forever. And so we know that whatever it is that is going on, We can always navigate, and we can adapt to the situation and change it. A whole lot of time is because our mental functioning does not allow us to see that we can cope with this. Most times we see ourselves as not being able to cope. Most times we see ourselves as not being able to deal with it. And that's what brings on a whole lot of negative feelings. Being positive in thought helps us to be able to see that I can adapt to this now, if you cannot adapt i can I can adopt a strategy also that can help me to cope now people go through a whole lot of issues i don 't even want to go into the marital issues where people are confronted with so so much and a lot a, a sense of self has been lost now would you ask and say somebody who had been married for over 20 years and then after the first seven years when they had their baby the husband does not have any interaction with her how does she cope with that now they go to church together they do virtually everything together but there's no interaction once they enter into their house now that's 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 a big problem how do we help this individual to cope and adjust to that we have to just redirect and create a new sense of purpose and functioning, especially when we won't preach diverse. So, find a way to adjust, cope, see it from another perspective. That's how to be positive. We will tell the story, we will share the victory, look at it, reframe it. It doesn't have to be all black. No. You can change the coloring in your mind and look at it from another perspective. See it from another way. As a matter of fact, when you write an E, when you look at it from one direction, it's E. But when you look at it from another direction, it's W. From somebody else, it's M, From another one, it's E. Or three. Depending on where you're looking at it from. So change your perspective. Move away from that place. See it from somewhere else. Look at it from another angle. It will make sense that way. And that's what helps us to be positive. And then again, it's important we accept ourselves. Strength, weakness, flaws, whatever it is. Just accept yourself as you. This is me. And then you now begin to take steps in helping yourself to become better. Helping yourself to be able to navigate the intricacies of life. And helping yourself to be able to push through. One of the things that people do a whole lot of time is self-pity and beating down on themselves. No, you don't need that. Self-pity is negative. It doesn't help you to get to where you want to get to. Then take care of yourself. Now, a lot of people take care of other people, but they forget themselves in the equation. So we take care of virtually very many people, but we leave ourselves out. And how do we take care of ourselves? One, diet is important. Eat healthy meals. I'm not talking about junks the brain also eats what we eat so it's not just that you're feeding the stomach alone you're also feeding your brain because there is a return of what you have given to the stomach that goes to the brain and so when you take too much sugar and other things like that it burns out very fast and before you know you you're tired and weak and restless and then you ask yourself oh but I've eaten I'm not, but you're not giving the brain what it needs. So take balanced meal. Proteinous diets are very good. Vegetables, fruits, water, very, very good. And then you're able to create that balance. Another important thing in taking care of yourself is sleep. The standard average hour of sleep for an adult is seven to nine hours. Uh-huh. Somebody said, "Oh, <laughs> Somebody said, uh. Oh. But that's, that's the average. Average standard hour is seven to nine hours. Now, if you will not achieve it, it's not going to be on a daily basis. That, like every day, you are not achieving it, and even when you have weekends to rest. Now, O one beds and other things like that will not even allow us to rest. So, before you now know it, it creates a problem. My time is up. Okay.
1: We just want to take some questions, if you don't mind. No problem, mm. sir. Yes, yes. No, let me just round round up up up,
0: this. This is the last slide, basically. Okay, so be mindful. Be mindful of your thoughts. I love giving this description. If you knock on somebody's door, okay? Ko, You will have to wait for your response. If they say come in, you will come in. Or the first question naturally is going to be, who is there? And you say, oh, it's me. They don't want you in. (laughs) They won't open the door. And that's the same thing we can do to our minds, too. We are the gatekeepers of our mind. Maybe that's why the Bible says, guide your heart with all diligence. A whole lot of us allow a whole lot of things into our mind. By the time they sit down there and sleep and rest, we now want to get them out. No, they tell you they are permanent residences in that heart. You cannot dislodge them again so be mindful of the things that you take into your mind otherwise you will not be able to function establish boundaries what do i want the people i want around me the things i want around me where do i want to go and other things like that relieve stress don't forget that stress is a function of your perception but again we have the ways of dealing with stress how you see it, the meaning you give to it you know how you're able to handle manage it we can adapt, adjust ourselves, and find a way of coping. Social connection is very important. Now, this is where we're going to wrap up. Get help. Is anyone listening? We need to begin to listen to one another. Now, it's important that we use what we call active listening. You know, when I greet you and I say good morning, it's different from when I say good morning is there a difference the tone of voice is different but most times we are not able to pick it up what we just say is how are you and then you are passed you do not even wait for the response if the happened, you now something up we say hey I, but i was getting at this morning you know, but did you hear a tone of voice did you see the body language and that's where we need to be able to come in and listen hello is anyone listening Are you listening to the body language? Are you listening to the tone of voice? Are you picking up on all of those things? Because we need to be able to help one another. Now, we are not helping one another, or we're not hearing or listening because we want to make jest of anybody. No, it's because we want to be able to help. Help people to be able to surmount their... Let people be able to free, feel, and talk about all of those things. Oh, I feel this way. Able to share their burdens. They're able to share their concerns. They're able to share their weak moments. And they know that we have brethren who are able to help them up, carry them, even if they need to be carried, and be able to push through. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Awesome. Thank you so very much. We have a couple of questions um, from online. When we take that, then we can take from people who are here. And I'm going to give you the two questions uh, so that you know, if you need to answer them together, you can. The first question is, how do you deal or correct a sibling that always sees things from the negative side? Question two. Where is the place of faith versus living in self-denial in the life of a believer? How does the interplay of these two affect mental condition? So the first one is how to deal with somebody who sees things negatively? How do you help them? And two is the place of faith versus self-denial in handling this. Thank you.
0: Thank you uh, for those questions. The first one is um, a sibling who is um, very pessimistic, always saying things on the negative. Um, you would have to really work with that individual to help them see that there is, the cup is not just half empty, the cup is half full. Uh, so efforts can be made to make the cup full. Uh, but again, um, I found out that relatives are not the best counsellor, uh, because sometimes it's like we want, to, we want them to see what we are saying. And the way we now project it to them might be very difficult. So you have to be very patient to understand their perspective, understand what this individual is saying, understand why they are saying what they are saying, that's the best way to start. If you're able to understand them and you're able to hear what is it that they have not even said, you might be able to help them begin to see things positively. Again, positive confession, using the scriptures, helping them, pulling them through, asking them to also talk about their challenges might also be a very good place to start. But if you're you not able to, then you can now... If you're not able to okay so if you're not able to then you can now ask people who are maybe older or who has skills so be able to help them through but some of those things require help especially when you have fed the mind with negative for a very long time it's, it might be just be difficult to say, oh, do this, do this, do this. Most times, it's usually very difficult. Then the place of faith and self-denial. There is no self-denial in faith. Oh. In faith, you are you're looking at a mountain. You know it's a mountain. Abi, the Bible says if you have faith like a mustard seed, what will you say? It says you will say to the mountain, he did not say you will say to the valley move he said you will say to the mountain move and the mountain will be removed faith is you understand this thing needs the divine intervention and you are calling the hand that is greater and bigger than yours to step in into the situation and make a change because you have absolute trust in that being god that he can do it self denier is you are telling yourself that the situation does not exist. The situation is there. So there is a conflict. You will have to choose which one do you want to believe. Am I going to apply the faith principle that sees God as supreme and intervening because he has power to do all things, because we know that there is nothing impossible with God. Or I want to hide because self-denial means I am saying that this problem does not exist. It's not there. So you would have to choose which one you really want to. But if it's a self-denial, it's just like I am trying to hide behind one finger. And then I close my eyes and I do like this. And I say, I am not seeing anyone. It's a lie. It's just me that is deceiving myself. So you must be able to confront the situation and then ask for God's help. That's where faith comes in. I believe God can do this and I'm handing it over I'm saying God intervene. But self denier is I am saying, no, this does not exist. I'm hiding it behind me it does not mean it does not exist. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Are there any questions within, um, on site? Any questions? You can just show by a raise of hand. You have a question. I have one. Yes, sir.
2: Thank you very much for the presentation. Um, my question has to do with, I think, one of the things you talked about had to do with, you know, um, what causes. Problems problem sometimes is the toxic people around us. And as believers, we are also called to minister to people around us. So how do you balance this? You have family members who are uh, maybe toxic and, you know, you just are there or even work colleagues and so on. So how do we fulfill our mission to be... God's people in their midst. Um, sometimes what is taught generally that just withdraw from those kind of people for your mental and emotional health. Is that is that the way to go for us as believers?
0: Okay, so um, the usual psychological response is what you have said, which is break boundary, move away, and other things. But when we find ourselves working with them, and um, they carry so much toxicity, you, would have to, you have a responsibility of not allowing their toxicity to affect you. Now, it comes from the place of emotional intelligence. You understanding their emotion and where it's coming from. Emotional intelligence helps us to be first aware of ourselves and also aware of the emotions of other people. So I understand that this what this individual is carrying is toxic. Now don't forget we said earlier that even if you're going to be helping people in dealing with their behavior, you must again understand the thought that is foiling the behavior. And so that understanding helps you to be able to work with them and then you will not be able to look at the behavior. So you're saying and saying to yourself that the experience that this individual is portraying or displaying is as a result of this that is going on in the mind. And so that helps you not to see the behavior, but it helps you now to begin to work on eradicating the negative thoughts that is going on. Thereby, you will be able to change the behavior. So you're you are going to be working with them, but you're going to be working with them on the, in the, from the place of understanding of who they are, why they are behaving the way they are, and your role. You must also be able to define your role in their life. Again, I, I, I say this with caution, but we cannot help everyone. We cannot save everyone. You can only do your bit and so you must also understand that even in trying to help people do what you have to do please understand your boundary understand your limits so when you find out that you are not able to then you will be able to hand over to another person who can and that's why even in the medical field we have referral pathways Okay, so you are able to, help. okay, I am not making an end away with this individual. Would you be able to help? Not that you're running away now, but you know, there, there, are, there are people that, ask, there's something we call transference. And transference simply means, oh, you look like my headmaster in those days. My headmaster was wicked, a very wicked man. Now, this now happens to be my pastor. Each time I see this man, excuse me, I see my headmaster who was wicked. Now, how do, how will he help me? I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. How will he help me? That's, that's what some people carry. So if they come to the place of counseling and they see him, I say, ah, ah, mm. Mr. Ojoku, I remember him. They would not accept anything that he's saying. If you notice such resistance, you prayerfully consider it, you try everything, and it's not working, then please refer to the next person. That would help perfectly. Thank you. Thank you
1: very much. I have one
2: more question. Oh, two more. I've heard of... Uh quite a number of men of God means big they may call them successful ministers who have testified to sinking into such such serious depression that they had to leave the pulpit for a while and I asked myself these are people who may have counseled people may have had read books on psychology how come what happened how couldn't they get is arrested until they went that deep. You see that um, for some reason, we don't recognize our emotional need until it gets serious? That's my question. All right, thank you, sir.
0: Um, I said something earlier, I said, take care of you. Because sometimes we take care of everybody and we forget ourselves in the equation and uh, for a whole lot it's not like the minister of god don't f- know about emotion emotional awareness but you know when the inv- invites start rolling in when they have to do this they have to do a whole lot of things then they forget themselves they don't take care of themselves sleep diet rest it's not there and so gradually and you know one thing about our emotion is when it starts it starts knocking call, call, call but we don't even answer, we don't, we don't look at it, we don't attend to it. Most times we ignore it and we fate it, you know? We tell ourselves it is well. Your body is saying rest, you say it is well, you get up again and push, I must. I tell people there is nothing like you must because if you are not there, somebody else will do it. So when your body is making demand, take time to pull away and rest give it the rest it needs before eventually it takes you off our body has a tendency especially our mind has a tendency of snapping out and saying no i'm not going again and if it's not going it's not going you can't do anything to it so most times we ignore it most times we are not conscious and aware of it but by the time they recharge and get themselves back on their feet again then they are able to move on um further thank you sir
1: Thank you so very much. Uh, For the people who requested for your contacts, we are going to ask them to speak with um, our leader, the Comfort Centre. We'll get that to you. Thank you.